Hi everyone, before we get started with this week's podcast, we wanted to read the description that we usually put below. We don't usually do this kind of thing, but for any new listeners or for anybody who usually skips reading the description below, we wanted to relay a very important message. Right now and for a long time, the world is a mess. Not only do we have to deal with the global health and economic pandemic that is COVID-19, but also the pandemic that is systemic racism that continues to run rampant in the United States. Anyone who knows the hosts of this podcast knows that we actively fight against racism whenever we see it, sometimes against the people we love the most. Because we have many listeners who do not know us personally, I wanted to make it clear that we are trying to do what is right and also stay in our lane as a silly podcast on the life of Nicolas Cage. We'll be honest with you, this week's episode is slightly racially charged. We discuss a movie that should have been focused on the brave Navajo Marines of World War II, but it instead featured Nick Cage as the star. We also wanted to mention that these episodes are chosen because we're following the career of Nicolas Cage in chronological order. It just so happened that this episode came up this weekend. Um, weird timing, but it is entirely a coincidence. We take a lighter look at this movie and crack a few jokes along the way, but we don't want to be insensitive. We want to entertain, and Hannah does a great job of relaying some interesting historical facts. Go to our Instagram for links and resources for how you can get involved. Please enjoy and stay safe. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of I Know Why the Nick Caged Bird Sings. The podcast where we watch, recap, rate, and review every Nick Cage movie in chronological order so that you don't have to. My name is Steve. I'm your host. Joining me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Hannah Martin. Hannah, I did pretty okay this week with that opening. That was almost alliterative, I, other than watch. I know. Rate, recap, review. What other... What's a synonym Com- for watch? No, comedy comes in threes. I should just take out watch. Oh, okay. Start over then. <laughs> I'm just, just going to do that. How are you this week? I'm all right. How are yeah, you? Good. Enough. So <laughs> we watched the 2002 film movie... Film, picture, cinema, wind talkers. Art. <laughs> art, piece of art. It's called Wind Talkers. It's another World War II movie. And this time, Nicolas Cage plays an American soldier, and his troop is invading Japan. Is that is right? Is that how you describe this movie? Because it's about something entirely different, or it's meant to be about something entirely different. Well, what is a wind talker? <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm talking about from the perspective of Nicolas Cage, which I think is the major problem with this movie right yeah you're right we'll get into that later i'm off (laughs) it's okay (laughs) we're gonna keep going i acknowledge that i i threw you off okay are we gonna power through rehearse this okay yeah we'll get through this together we We always do yeah we usually rehearse for like three to four hours a week (laughs) (laughs) we get the banter going yeah no, this is all off the top of the dome sometimes i try to get steve to to banter with me yeah, you saw how well that mic. well you saw how well that worked out last week. <laughs> Mice. Mice. Anyway. Where do we begin this podcast, Han? We start So with, I usually start. With some ratings and rankings, correct? Yes, sir. So Wind Talkers, two thousand two. It is a six point one out of ten on IMDB and a thirty three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That seems Kind of low. We actually quite liked this movie. I mean, compared to the other Nicolas Cage movies. Compared to the last two movies we watched. That's true. The last two were true. We talk about this a lot where it's challenging 
to watch a movie objectively when the movie that you just watched previously to it was so atrocious that anything <laughs> feels better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. like eating a meal when you're starving. Right. Anything's going to taste good. Anything's going to taste good. Mm-hmm. There's agree. actually a restaurant around the corner from us that we've eaten at oh. multiple times when we were starving. Mm-hmm. And we were like, I think the food is fine. And then finally we went when we weren't that hungry and we realized, oh my God, this food is trash. Yeah, it's terrible. It's disgusting. The service is bad. The atmosphere is bad. The food's bad. Why did we go there so many times? Because we were hungry. Because <laughs> we were starving. Yeah. That's how it works. So Starving another- for Nicolas Cage movies. Oh. Happy <laughs> summer, Steve. <laughs> this podcast is just... I don't know if you heard that, but the ice cream truck just passed by. Fantastic. We're going to take a break and go out and get some, and then we'll, no, be, we'll not, be back. I'm not going to get ice cream from a... Oh, my God. I can't. I'm off today. All right. I'll, I'll take over just from take here. over. Thank you. I need, I need you. <laughs> so, like I mentioned, this movie came out in 2002. It was actually filmed in 2000, and it was supposed to be released in 2001, in the fall of 2001. But then, then Shrek... <laughs> oh, fall of 2004. <laughs> I was like, oh, are you really going to try and make this funny? Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. It's okay. So um, September 11, 2001 oh, was... <laughs> I'm just going to put the microphone away. Today, I'm going to leave the room. Oh, goodness. You just shut the door on your way out. Thank you. And okay, bye, Steve. All right, we're going to keep going here. You want to come back? <laughs> Oh my god, he's locked out. <laughs> he locked himself out. He's back. I'm back. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, um, this was supposed to be released in the fall of 2001. Terrorist attack happened in our country. Plans changed. They had to push the release date until the following summer, summer 2002. Along those lines, something interesting that I found, and it made me think of what's happening right now. Um, so when the film was pushed back, they had already released a bunch of promotional material, like, mm. I don't know, action figures. <laughs> I don't know what oh, they really? were. I don't think so. I mean, Probably like like posters. Posters and, and billboards and Billboards stuff. and then yeah. maybe, you know, at the movie theater, sometimes when they have those like cardboard cutouts of people. Yeah. I, that's, that's what I am picturing in my head. Oh, okay. So they had already released all that, uh, all the promotional items, but they had to take them back and all of those promotional items had the wrong date on them. So they kind of just had to like uh, restart from there. Yeah. So a lot of it was auctioned off on eBay as collector's items. And it made me think, okay. you know, there's probably a lot of movies that are supposed to be released now. Yeah, that's true. During COVID quarantine to 2020, just the year that shit went off the rails. Yeah. I wonder if any of the movies that were supposed to be released this year have promotional material out there. I'm going to purchase it. I'm going to sell it on eBay. And I'm going to make a lot of money. Okay. Hannah Martin loves profiting off of people's... Entrepreneur, right? Loss (laughs) and suffering. God. Do you want to leave again? Yeah, I'll be be back later. Some other interesting things about the behind the scenes of this movie... So this movie was directed by John Woo, and we recently watched another Nick Cage-John Woo collaboration, and that 
collaboration also involved the, the great. I was going to say the great. I don't believe that at all. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. Go a John Travolta face-off. Yes. It was a great movie. Was it? <laughs> I mean, in a way. We enjoyed it. So this movie was intended to be John Woo's breakout drama for a major studio. Mm. So they filmed the movie, they edited the movie, and then the studio saw the movie as more of like a military war action movie than a drama. So they had to re-edit it and they lost nearly $70 million in the process. The budget for this movie was $115 million and it only grossed $77.6 million worldwide. In the box office in the United States, I think it grossed like $46 million. It was a huge bomb flop. Whoa. I did not see that coming, actually. I didn't look anything up about it beforehand. That's my job. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean... The entire time we were watching this movie, too, there's so many explosions. Tons, so many explosions. Tons. We were thinking to ourselves, like, how much was the special effects budget? Uh, that's one of my notes. I well, have. What was the know. budget? That's crazy. Very high budget. Very low return. Very yeah. low ROI. Yes. Radio on the internet. Exactly. For Silicon Valley fans. <laughs> All right. This movie is uh, part of a different ranking. It is um, number four on the list of the 10 most inaccurate military movies ever filmed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was wondering that when we watched it, I was like, I wonder how accurate this movie is. So some other military movies that are in that top 10, and I don't know the the rankings that each of these are. They're not like I have, I'm about to list three, but they're not the top three. Okay. Okay. There are other movies in this list that I didn't know. And I thought it would be more interesting to just talk about these three movies because I figured everybody has heard of these. The Patriot, The Hurt Locker, and Pearl Harbor are also on that list. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, as we mentioned in the beginning, this movie... Oh, no. We haven't even mentioned this yet. Or have we? I don't even recall. That, about, is... that it's about Navajo? the Navajo no, cold. No, <laughs> we, we haven't. Because <laughs> I, I started it off really in a rough way, and I just <laughs> talked about Nicolas Cage. I barely talked about the plot. Well, and that's, and like I mentioned earlier, that is the biggest problem that I and critics have with this movie, that they really whitewashed this movie. It's called Wind Talkers because it's about Navajo code code talkers that were hired for World War II to speak in code in Navajo language so that the Japanese um, could not understand the code and could not break the code. Right. And the code was unbreakable. It was never broken. Mm Mm-hmm. So there were originally 29 code talkers, code talkers, I can't say that, um, hired in 1942. The last code talker passed away in 2014. His name was mm. Chester Nez at the age of 93. Oh, wow. Overall, there were 400 code talkers in World War II after the oh, original okay. 29. I think it was from 42 to 46 that they were um, bringing them on. Yeah. And then um, four are remaining alive today out of the 400. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And the all 29 code talkers in like the 70s, I believe, were awarded congressional gold medals of honor. Cool. And then the other, whatever, 300 something were awarded silver medals of honor mm. from okay. Congress. Um, I think that's all I have about the behind the scenes for the movie in general. 
but I do have a few things about Nick and I have a few things about all the actors. So the cast did a week prior to filming a very rigorous World War II uh, Marine training. They're, oh, wow. they're Marines. I don't know if we mentioned that they're Marines. <laughs> I really flopped the opening <laughs> of this podcast. <laughs> um, yes. They're Marines. <laughs> they're Marines. And there are only two Navajo code talkers that are um, featured in this movie. Yeah. There are other ones. I don't recall counting 29 specifically, but I assume that there were 29 in, in that room. Sure. When they were training oh, yeah, yeah. at the beginning of the movie. So let's talk about Nick Cage for a second, shall we? Please. That's what this is all about. This is what you're here for. It's what puts asses in the seats. It's what puts money in the bank for us. This is our main source <laughs> no. of income. No, we specifically we earn. pay no. to put this <laughs> We specifically earn zero money from this podcast. Oh, because of the song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to make that clear. <laughs> yeah, we earn nothing from this. And other never than, will. Other than um, applause and and The respect kudos, from our peers. Kudos yeah. from our peers. So Nick Cage... Actually, I'll ask you. I'll pose a question for you. Okay. Other than English, what language did you feel Nicolas Cage's character should have been speaking in the movie? Probably Italian because he's Italian. Okay. Maybe Navajo because it's about... Maybe like the movie should be about how he learns the Navajo language as well. But okay. What, what are you getting at here? So Nick Cage learned to speak fluent Navajo even though his character doesn't. Really? He spent months preparing for this that role. That was not in the script. No. And Cage found out eventually and to like, I guess, save, like, save his reputation. He said he did it to understand his character better. And then John Woo came out and said that he just misunderstood his character. That's hilarious. <laughs> I wonder if Nick Cage thought he was playing the main Navajo character. I don't know. <laughs> he like reads the script and he's like, yeah, I'm going to be playing Ben Yazzie. That would have been so offensive. <laughs> it would have been hilarious. I mean, but not if it actually happened. Right. Like if that's what he actually thought. That very well could be what he actually thought. In the movie, he speaks Japanese, which in my mind makes sense. That's what I thought you were getting at. Like, No, I know. And yeah. I realized after I posed that question okay. that we probably weren't on the same page. He I also... wanted you to just be like, well, he speaks Japanese in the movie and that makes sense oh. because he's a sergeant in the Marine Corps. He's been fighting this war yeah, for a he while. he knows a little bit of Japanese. He knows a little bit of Japanese in order to communicate to civilians. And also, like, he works closely with code breakers so he probably listens to japanese code see you justified it just now in the last five seconds way more than the movie ever did <laughs> like you read between That's the lines the problem with this movie exactly <laughs> it's just war yeah i wonder if prior to the re-edit if it gave more justice to the navajo maybe but this movie is about the Navajo. They're supposed to be the protagonists. And then at the end of the movie, it's still Nick Cage who's the protagonist. Yeah. He's still first build, which is wrong. Yeah. Ben it, Yazi should have been first build. That's What's the character's name? name. Adam Beach. Adam Beach. Who modern moviegoers would know him as the guy who dies immediately in The Suicide Squad. He plays Slipknot. Un unfamiliar with that yeah character. well because he was only in the movie for like five minutes he was kind I also of cannon fodder truly could not pay attention during that movie yeah that movie has its flaws it's not the worst dc movie that's for sure we're not here to talk about superhero we movies, always though. talk about superhero <laughs> movies because that's all i watch 
And Nick Cage movies. And Nick Cage movies, yeah. Okay. So Nick learned to speak a language that his character doesn't speak. Not at all. And then... I don't think he even says one Navajo word in the entire movie. No. That's amazing. I mean, hey, he learned a new language, so I wonder if he still knows it. He probably knows a little bit. You think? I don't know. Like, don't we all remember a lick of Spanish from high school and stuff like that? Yeah, but I studied that for years, and I barely remember any. As a child. He looked old. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was going to mention that in one of the early scenes. He He looks older in this movie. He looks really old, and like we said, this movie was filmed in 2000 and then released in 2002, so two Mm. years prior. And it got me thinking... National Treasure comes out in 2004, and he looks closer to how he looks in National Treasure than he did in the Captain Corelli's Mandolin. He looked much younger in that. Yes, agreed. Uh, The years have not been kind. (laughs) So one last thing before we get into the plot of this movie that I would love to talk about is I just watched an interview with uh, Nick Cage, John Woo, and Adam Beach talking about the movie. And Adam Beach was saying that Nick Cage is very calm and collected um, before the cameras start rolling. And then the cameras would start rolling and he turned into like a war machine as his character is. So Classic Nick Cage, Cage. Classic. So Nick Cage comes out after Adam Beach says that and he delivers, he delivers this, which I'll let you, um, I'll let you ponder on for a mm, moment after, after I speak it. So Nick Cage says... Sometimes when I act, I really don't know what happens. I see myself as a channeler so that whatever spirit wants to enter my body, it can do the work for me. You can gather things like dog hair or rabbit fur and put it in your boot to give as a gift to the spirits to come inside and do the work for you. That is the weirdest nonsense bullshit. Like, it got me thinking, like, is he just trying to sound Navajo? <laughs> I wonder if... it. Oh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. But because they do kind of highlight some Navajo rituals throughout the movie, none of them using dog or rabbit fur. Of course not. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but I wonder... Well, maybe not. I don't know. I shouldn't I, say that. I wonder if, you know, with his various divorces, including one with Patricia Arquette, he's like... All right, hon, I'm about to go to set. Have you seen my rabbit fur? I can't find it anywhere. I'm I I can't I can't do this without my rabbit fur. You know, I wonder if that Me was neither. part of the problem. <laughs> I also can't. Oi. When you left the room, yes. I took some rabbit fur and put it in my boot. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's why we're off to such a lucky start with this podcast. Actually, it's been going well since I left the room and came back. <laughs> I'm also not wearing boots. <laughs> I can't see. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Good. A little peek behind the curtain. A little theater of the mind. Hannah's wearing socks. <laughs> Shall we go into the plot of the movie here? Yes. Okay. All right. So we're going to go through the movie Nick Cage scene by Nick Cage scene. And as I said, the movie is Wind Talkers 2002. I think Hannah did a better job than I did uh, kind of relaying the overall plot of the movie. So I'll just start with the first Nicolas Cage scene is that Nick Cage is on the Solomon Islands, it says. It's kind of a swampy area. And it's a really brutal fight scene in the beginning. Like, it's it's pretty gory. It's it's violent. Yeah. Yeah. So Most scenes in this movie are. Most war scenes. Most of this movie is... You know, it's supposed to portray a war 
uh, and they're moving their way through an island, one of the islands of Japan, ultimately. So the first scene is like they get to a beach, then they move a little bit to the next base camp, they have a fight, then they move again to another base camp, they have a fight, and that's kind of the general flow of this movie. But before all of that starts, he's with his original team, Nick Cage, and his team is just getting picked off, and, and everybody's dying around him, and, and he's fighting, and he's screaming. Is he a sergeant then, or is he a general? Wait, which I is higher? I right? don't remember the, the order, but... Colonel. He's a level lower. He becomes a level higher after this fight. Okay. So he's screaming his, his head off, but it's kind of justified in the scene because, you know, it's war. He's seeing all of his buddies die too. Right. So I think the best scream, and if I insert one, it'll just, it'll be his scream of, and he does that scream out of the side of his mouth. Always. So it's got a kind of a funny face to it. It's not going to be the best scream, but it, no, he's got I mean, some good screams. In like here. you just said, it was justified. And Absolutely. We, we rarely choose justified screams is the best scream yeah it's usually the best scream if it's the only scream you know if yeah, it's just exactly through, like we don't for, have a choice right so at the end of this scene uh he sees a grenade in front of him and tries to run away and he gets blown up and, and what basically happens is that his ear gets shot his perfor his eardrum gets perforated so the next scene is he's in a hospital nearby and they're kind of talking him through his perforated eardrum and he's sitting there in his robe and his chest hair is just spilling out. It's just it's cascading thick. out of his shirt. It's thick. And it's classic <laughs> sad boy Nikki. I'm going to gloss over the fact that Hannah loves the, es- the Essex UK. Oh, so thick. Oh, it's thick chest hair. <laughs> You're right fit, you know. You're right fit. Anyway, so he's got the hairy chest and then some like nurse sergeant woman comes over and i couldn't quite place her from any other movie she, i think you know she's been in other stuff but i couldn't quite place her i forget her name too francis something francis o'connor mm-hmm. she she was in ai okay the importance of being earnest mm. anyway she got a Oh, just a nomination for a Golden Globe for Best Actress in Madame Bovary and the Missing. Interesting. Hmm? She's right. Australian. Oh, I didn't... You wouldn't have known. She had no accent. Which is good. <laughs> she had an American accent. Well, yeah, but she had no... You said she's Australian. Yeah, but that's not no accent. We all have accents, Steve. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Maybe I need to leave the room and come back again. <laughs> So anyway, his hearing out of his left ear is totally shot and his equilibrium is off as well. So he can like kind of hardly walk. But in order to impress the girl, he tries to walk. And then the girl sees how brave he is or something and helps him cheat on his hearing exam so he can get back on the battlefield. He's in the next scene, which is he's in Lucius Malfoy's office. uh, The guy who plays Lucius Malfoy, (laughs) who's the major. And this is where we really noticed Jason Isaacs. Jason Isaacs. Thank you. I forgot his name. So he's talking to Lucius Malfoy. He enters the Harry Potter universe. He, and he is at the Ministry of Magic. <laughs> swish and flick. So he's in this office, and this is where Hannah and I noticed we're like, wow, he's he's looking older. Nick Cage is, for Oof. sure. Hairline. Also, this scene made it abundantly clear how poor the sound mixing and sound editing is for this movie. Forgot about that. It's something that you don't really realize 
until you've seen a ton of movies like we kind of have recently. But this scene, they're just talking very quietly like this. And then the next scene is these crazy loud explosions. And so you're kind of always playing with the volume, which is one of those kind of pet peeves when watching a, a movie at home. So this is where Lucius Malfoy explains the whole plot of the movie to Nick Cage and gets everybody on board that, hey, we're using the the native Navajo from the U.S. They're going to speak to each other in their native tongue, and that's going to be the code so that the Japanese can't break the code. And we're assigning you to protect your unit's Navajo for the code talker, which they ultimately name Wind Talkers. So Lucius Malfoy also says... <laughs> He says, I don't know why I think it's so funny that you just keep calling him that. We always do that. If we know an actor from something else, we just call him, that. We just call him <laughs> whatever else he was in. Yeah. So final thing from this scene is that Lucius Malfoy says, protect the code at all costs, because these guys are not really going to be trained as well as you are as a Marine. You know, if they get captured, and they let up what the code is, the war could be over, essentially. So at all costs, do by any means necessary, protect the code, meaning kill the Navajo guy if you you need need to. to. Yeah. So the next scene we see Nicolas Cage is the Navajo recruits, so Adam Beach and the other guy uh, arrive to the base camp. I believe it's in Hawaii. I have to share about the other guy. Yeah, who's the other guy? His name is Roger Willie. Okay. Get my notes. So Roger Willie was originally hired as a dialect coach for all of the Navajo, but he impressed oh. the director, I guess, so much that they hired him as, like, the lead wow. Navajo. Wow, that's great. Other than Adam Beach. Right, right. Cool. No, that's He's great. He's never acted in anything before or in anything else. Wow. I, and I honestly, I didn't think he was bad. I thought he no. was pretty good. What did we call him? Uncle Navajo? Yeah, I because was that the relationship between him and Adam Beach? I, don't think I think so. they were just friends. I think I just I, he looked older, so I assumed <laughs> it was his uncle. <laughs> it was his uncle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we're running on the beach with Nicolas Cage. He's just kind of working out, running around, and this is also where we meet Christian Slater, who is com- pops up in apparently a lot of John Woo movies as well. And he's just was he in Face Off? No, but he oh. was in Broken Arrow with John Travolta, which is another John Woo movie. Jesus. so they're at the camp they meet the navajo guys we meet christian slater and this is where we see adam beach really kind of in his first kind of full acting scene and we notice that when he smiles a lot he looks a lot like a navajo james franco they have the same smile or dave franco or dave franco they have the same smile he's a navajo franco so for the rest of the movie adam beach's character ben yazi will form will Formally, form, yeah, formally. formally. I was like, not formerly. No, <laughs> formally be known as Navajo Franco. Yes. So we've got Navajo Franco, kind of. And when he first meets Nick Cage, they're bum. He's bumbling over. He spills his coffee on him. Oh God. Oh geez. So we also meet a few of the other guys in the troop, which includes Mark Ruffalo, uh, Christian Slater, as we already mentioned. We there was also kind of that guy from that thing. That we pointed out, and he, once again, he's the best friend from the Truman Show. I think he came up in another movie that we talked about. He was, yeah. Was it, it wasn't Face Off, was it? I don't remember. Yeah. Is it Noah Emmerich? Yes, Noah Emmerich. But so we just watched the first few episodes of Space Force that came out this week. Oh, and he's in that too. He is in that. Space Force is not very good, unfortunately, at least the first two episodes. Hot take there. I know, it's not a hot take, it's just, 
we had high expectations. The critics agree with us. Yeah. So if you disagree, then you're wrong. <laughs> I'll give it a few more episodes, maybe down the line, but not right away. Anyway, there's also like two younger guys. One guy's apparently in charge of the flamethrower. And then there's another guy who's like BFF with Mark Ruffalo. So those guys come up later. They have more important roles later. So they're all playing poker. Let's see here. They're getting their orders from this guy with this really ambiguous accent. Very confusing. <laughs> so the the major who is not Lucius Malfoy, but this guy with the accent, I recognize him from a small role in Seinfeld, but that's about it. He's the guy from the Frogger episode who needs holes. And so he's an, he's an electrician who calls an outlet holes. But I couldn't he's quite... Swedish. He's Swedish. I don't know. Peter Stormare. Okay. So... Yeah, he's there as well. Then they're about to ship off to Japan. And the, the girl comes back and she starts drinking with Nick Cage. And they take shots in slow motion. And then <laughs> Nick Cage just gets shipped off in the next scene. Just <laughs> very strange directing choice. So they get to the they get to the first Japanese battlefield. And like I said, it's, you know, they arrive on the beach. They, they're trying to push their way through the island. And it's a ton of more justified screaming. You see the Navajo language in action. You see the Japanese. They say, what is this language? I can't understand it. And finally, it culminates in Nick Cage. It's like, I kind of hated that. What? The scene where the Japanese were like, what is this? I don't understand. It doesn't sound like English. It doesn't sound like Japanese. It was just, it was spoon fed to us. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Like they couldn't think of a more creative way to say it other than just like blatantly saying it. Eh. You know, <laughs> but it worked is the point. Yeah. I mean, we understood what was going on because right. we're not morons. <laughs> so the first battle culminates in Nicolas Cage taking uh, some sort of large bomb and throwing it into a Japanese base. And uh, that's like the last base and, and the code talking works, the wind talking works and everything's great. Also, how does we pointed out in this point? So the way the 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 wind talking works is that Nicholas Cage says, "All right, relay these coordinates," and it's like, how, how do does you he just know the coordinates? He just knows coordinates. I guess you know that's what what you do in the it's, army. It's so precise. It has to be so precise. Yeah, because they're like a hundred yards away from it at most. So if the U.S. drops a bomb on a hundred yards in the the opposite direction, they're going to bomb their own troops. Yeah. It was crazy precise, but, you know, it makes for a good movie. Maybe that's why it's on the list of the top 10 most inaccurate Inaccurate. (laughs) war movies. Yeah, that's probably true. So, again, so they have their battle. They're setting up a camp, and uh, Navajo Franco is <laughs> let's see here he's he gets in he gets in a lot of fights with the guy from the truman show they're, they're kind of at odds with oh, each he's other very racist yeah exactly so they're driving in a truck they're scoping scoping out the next uh base camp the next battle and we get a voiceover of the girl from before oh, yeah, she like keeps writing him letters and we just keep hearing her voice over and her voiceovers are so weird she's like it's like I know that you won't write me back, but I just had to tell you this. My bed feels so cold without you. Yeah. And we're like, wait, were they like actually together? But no, they weren't. It was never shown in the movie. She's like, the nights grow long and the days grow short with it's your so love stupid. not by my side. And it's like, when did this become a romantic movie? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe when it was supposed to be a drama. Yeah, maybe. Maybe they expanded more on the on the, the relationship. Yeah, that's dumb. So they're scoping out the next place, and of course they get 
well not of course but they get they get ambushed as they're talking and uh so there's another good scream here where nicholas cage just goes let's go let's go let's go pretty solid but again justified and so they're fighting and they're Oh shit! Okay, let me let me start. What over. did you forget? <laughs> this, I forgot that this is a good scene. <laughs> so they're fighting, and, and what actually happens is they're not fighting the Japanese right away. Is that they're fighting the other U.S. troop who doesn't know who's who, and that's actually a point that Hannah likes to point out in these war movies. Is it's always ho- so hard to tell who's who. Yeah, I mean you know. they're all wearing camo. Yeah. So what they have to do is. They have to radio the other troop and say, hey, stop shooting us. Start shooting the enemies are who, you know, are kind of you're leading us into the enemy right now because you're because of this friendly fire. But because of all that happening, Navajo Franco's radio gets shot. So what they have to do is go get a Japanese oh, radio. This is a great scene. This How is a fantastic scene. One? I forgot it was coming up this quickly. <laughs> yeah, we kind of zoomed through the first half of the movie yeah but we're already halfway through the movie if not more so so this is a great scene because i think the truman show guy points out that hey navajo franco looks like japanese because he's navajo so he says all right well i'm gonna put on a japanese uniform and i'm gonna go infiltrate their camp and go get a radio so that we can radio the other troop to tell to tell them to stop shooting us and start shooting so brave the enemies i know crazy so nick cage says well you're not going anywhere without me take me as your prisoner which was crazy, and this is where we find out that Nick Cage speaks fluent Japanese, as well as apparently Navajo in real life. <laughs> but there's a really good scream here, and I don't know how it's going to sound audio-wise, but visually, it looks awesome, because he he gets hit in his bum ear by the Japanese as he's... Yeah, and he holds the side of his face, and it is a classic Nick Cage it's, scream. It's very Wicker Man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So they get into the the trenches, the Japanese trenches. Navajo Franco's radioing, and Nick Cage is just on a rampage. He's just mowing people down. It's crazy. So everything's done. It's finished. Nick Cage gets a medal for his bravery. Well, let's also this. mention that Navajo yeah. Franco won't kill anybody. Yeah, he's really reluctant to kill people throughout the first half, maybe first three quarters of the movie. Most of the movie. Yeah. Very peaceful. Yes. So Nick Cage is mowing people down, and... He battles over. Somebody comes up and says, hey, Nick Cage, you did great back there. Here's a medal. Here's a, I think it's a silver star, a silver medal, like you said from earlier. The, some of the other Navajos got the silver stars. Those were congressional awards, ah, not okay, military different. awards. But, okay. I mean, still an award nonetheless. Mm-hmm. So during the fight, Mark Ruffalo's BFF died. So Nav- uh, not Navajo Franco, Nick Cage... <laughs> takes his medal and he says well first of all navajo franco should have gotten one as well (laughs) and second of all i'm giving this to to mark ruffalo to give to the dead guy's wife because he feels bad so great explanation thank you i am botching this episode today don't worry about it not worried about it so they're setting up a new camp and this is probably the most nouveau shamanic scene nouveau shamanic being Moment, yes. nick cage's own acting style where which he will write a book about one day oh god I'm waiting for that day i am not <laughs> maybe he did it in quarantine oh no we're gonna come out of quarantine with a step-by-step how-to guide on nouveau shamanicism no god 
Anyway, so he's... That's not facts. It's just opinion. Yeah. So Nick Cage is drunk after the battle, and he has a really weird conversation with Navajo Franco about medals, and he recaps the first scene that he's in to Navajo Franco. But as he's doing this, he's kind of doing really creepy laughs, and he's burping and <laughs> and because he's drunk. So it, it kind of makes sense, but it's also like, you won an Academy Award for playing a drunk, and you're not doing any better than this. <laughs> yeah, true. The first scene meaning the scene where his previous troop all died and he yes. was the last remaining. Yeah. Just wanted to clarify. Thank you. Thank you. Please step in with clarifications <laughs> whenever possible because I... It was a little confusing. But I think we cleared it up. Today. Some days I feel really on. Today's just... I usually feel off, but today... Yeah, it's you. today. I'm on, like white on rice. Should I give maybe? you my notes from the movie? <laughs> no, we can't do that. Okay. <laughs> We've come too far. So once again, after after they get their rest, they're wake, they wake up the next morning. And they're on their way to the next base, and, you know, it's supposed to be secure, but there's a big attack, But and, of, and again, when they're on their way to the base, there's a voiceover of the girl being like, my pantaloons grow drier. <laughs> Just waiting for you, Nicolas Cage, and it's like, when did, why are we listening to this? <laughs> grow drier or wetter? <laughs> drier, because, oh, wetter, maybe, I don't know, doesn't matter. Hope you're not listening, Mom. <laughs> You think she knows what pantaloons are? <laughs> hey, I think she knows. Anyway, so the next base camp is this village. They get all the they're trying to get all the all the citizens. You know the the what's the word the 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 civilians. Civilians. Jesus Christ, Steve. Trying to get all the civilians inside. There's one kid that Nicholas Cage is you know notices. This one kid's kind of struggling. He's got a bandage on his head. So Nick Cage gives him all of his pain pills that he has for his ear which was nice. He also notices a bunch of flour or sand on the table Hmm. and he decides to draw a church in it. He like draws in the sand on the table. Like an Etch-a-Sketch. Yeah. And then... No, not like an Etch-a-Sketch. Sort of. Yeah. Isn't that sand? Yeah. 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 Like an (laughs) Etch-a-Sketch. Got it. You're on. You're on today, baby. (laughs) So Navajo Franco's like, oh, that's beautiful and it's really just like a stick figure house (laughs) church. (laughs) And they have some weird, boring conversation, and Nick Cage punches the sand picture. Mm. Actually, before that, Navajo Franco's like, you know, when this is all over, you should come to the reservation. He's like, it would be great. We can go hunting. We can ride horses. I can, like, you know, we can have some meals. And Nick Cage looks at him and just goes, horses? (laughs) Fantastic. One of my favorite scenes in the movie, for sure. So after Navajo Franco's all nice to him and before the shooting inevitably starts again, Nick Cage goes over to the Swedish major guy <laughs> and he's like, look, I want out. I'm done. And the Swedish guy's like, we all want out. We're, we're all done. And this is probably the first and maybe only out of nowhere scream from Nicolas Cage. Yes. And he says, damn it! I can't do it. I can't perform my duty. It's solid. It's solid. It comes not out of nowhere but more so than the other screams in the movie for sure other than the drunk tirade well the drunk tirade he wasn't screaming he was just drunk. oh he was just laughing right? yeah he right, was right, laughing right, right, and right, right. burping yeah. <laughs> yeah okay i remember that now so this was supposed to be a secure village and of course the japanese come over and they start shooting in again it's brutal it's visceral it's violent and the most violent part is that christian slater is in charge of the 
other guy, the guy who was the Navajo dialect coach, the other Navajo. I forget his name. Uncle Navajo. Uncle Navajo. (laughs) So Christian Slater and Uncle Navajo, they're kind of like back to back and they're fighting and they're fighting, you know, off the, the incoming troops. They're in this room and they ultimately run out of bullets and Uncle Navajo. They're surrounded. They're surrounded. But Uncle Navajo pulls out like this machete and he starts macheting people. It's really cool. And for a guy who never acted, like it's awesome. Oh, yeah. So it ultimately gets to the point, though, where they're both, again, back to back. Oh, you haven't talked about the scene when the really racist guy is under fire under attack so that's like part yeah like that's i think part of the scene yeah so the the racist guy from the truman show he's under attack too and uncle navajo pulls out his machete and throws it at him but he thinks it's coming at him but it actually stabs the guy behind him and he's like japanese guy the japanese guy behind him and he's like he saved my life and he's like kind of he says the worst thing let me what does he say like these engines aren't that bad. Like something <laughs> incredibly racist. He goes, oh, wow, that Navajo guy really saved my bacon. Maybe they're not so bad. Yeah. So suddenly he's not racist anymore. <laughs> but anyway, back to the to the cool fight where Uncle Navajo and Christian Slater, they're, they're completely surrounded. And out of nowhere comes a guy with a katana and literally beheads Christian Slater. Never saw it coming. No, that was wild. wild. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> so Uncle Navajo is surrounded and the Japanese say, wait, he's one of the code talkers. Let's take him alive so that we can figure out their code. And Nick Cage comes over and sees them taking him away. And he Nick Cage knows what he has to do. Pulls a grenade and he has to blow them all up and blows up Uncle Navajo as well, unfortunately. But Uncle Navajo kind of nods to him like do it does he i don't yeah. i don't really re- recall a, l- a little bit mm, okay like, i know that you have to do it right right did you mention that christian slater was going to kill uncle navajo i don't think he actually was he was i don't know doesn't matter he took out his knife and he was like i have to like yeah. we're not gonna make it out of here right doesn't matter this so isn't... well but it matters because then uncle Hav- navajo knew that that's the mission plan. It's right. like I have like I can't get captured, mm-hmm. so I'll take one for the team and I'll just die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe I read, maybe I misread. I, I don't. Scene. I we so we watched this movie like early yesterday morning, so I'm also a little fuzzy on some of the details that aren't in my notebook. Right. So, I think it just made me feel better. That's nice. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> so anyway. Nick Cage also then admits everything that he did to Navajo Franco once the battle's over. Navajo Franco gets really upset and pulls a gun on Nick Cage. And Nick Cage... It's the first time he's shown any form of violence. Yeah. Violent tendencies. So Nick Cage, knowing that Nick Cage wants out of the war in general and he feels bad. fucking do it. He he actually (laughs) screams that. He screams, do it. Do it. Do it. So anyway, they're on the move again. And now the team is getting smaller and smaller and... Also, within that scene where they were at their base camp that was supposed to be secure, the flamethrower guy, the other kind of no-name guy, gets blown up by the Japanese, and Nick Cage has to be the one to put him out of his misery because he's on fire. Anyway, so now the team is Navajo Franco, Nick Cage, Mark Ruffalo, the Swedish guy, and the Truman Show guy. Oh, my God. So they're going on this... uh, Next mission, they're moving into what is likely going to be the last battle to take this island. 
And as they're walking around, they stumble across a minefield and start getting ambushed once again. And Navajo Franco decides to go rogue. He's just, he starts shooting. He starts going crazy. He needs to avenge the death of his uncle. (laughs) I don't think it was his actual uncle. No, it was just just his buddy. Yeah, it might have been one of those like family friend guys. I think he even said that. But anyway, it's not important right now. So because Navajo Franco goes crazy, Nick Cage is like, I have to protect him. I have to be the one to make sure that he doesn't fall into enemy hands. So Nick Cage goes with him. And Navajo Franco drops the radio and the Japanese try to steal the radio. So there's this real back and forth between both forces to battle for the radio. Nick, no, see, I I wrote NF in NC in my notes and I keep getting confused for Navajo Navajo Franco Franco. and Nick Cage. I know. But I just see the N and I'm like, Nick Cage tries to, and he doesn't. He doesn't do it. I'm going to call, I'm going to cut all this out probably. So anyway, there's mice. There's a little bit of a lull in the battle and Navajo Franco tries to knife Nicolas Cage and then suddenly they're both surrounded and they both get shot. I believe Nick Cage gets shot in the arm. Navajo Franco gets shot in the both legs and Nick Cage carries him to a trench nearby and they finally get safe and they finally get the radio so that they can radio in for air support. But in all of the commotion, Nick Cage... Got shot in the chest, and he starts coughing up blood, and he prays a Hail Mary. Hemorrhaging. And he starts bleeding out. And they bleeding. Bleed it out. Bleeding <laughs> <Yeah>. out. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, Nick Cage dies, which he doesn't do very often in these movies. No. He died in Deadfall in the Cotton Club, and I think that might be it. And he was dead in Christmas Carol. And City of Angels. Oh. No, he doesn't die in City of Angels. He was immortal and then becomes mortal. Right, right. And his girlfriend died in City of Angels. Mm, Meg Ryan. Was it Meg Ryan? Yeah. And that movie was terrible. Anyway. <laughs> I think you're right. I don't remember him dying in anything else. We've watched so many of these, though. I know. I know. It's tough. He anyway. could have died in all of them, and I would have no memory of it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So that's pretty much the movie from a Nick Cage perspective. The only really thing that happens after this is Navajo Franco goes back home after the war and he tells his son stories about Nick Cage and they do rituals and prayers for Nick Cage and says, you know, this is a brave man or something. And that's pretty much it for the movie. Credits yep. roll. Credits roll. So any closing thoughts, Han? Uh, I forgot to mention that you might find to be interesting, but... This movie was filmed in uh, Hawaii. I thought so. It kind of looked like it, yeah. And a lot of the scenes were filmed on the same set, or the same area, I guess, that Lost and Jurassic Park were filmed at. Mm, Yeah, I mentioned something about Lost to you when we watched this, didn't we? Didn't I? Yeah. I forget what I said. I might have just said it looks like Lost. No. You know what it was? (laughs) It was, we have to go back! We have to go back! Who in Lost says that? Jack, the main guy. Oh. So they get off the island, and then all this bad shit starts happening to them when they're back home. Only like the Oceanic Six or something. I never got to that far in Lost. I never got to when they get off the island. Yeah, it's when they get off the island and they start doing time travel and stuff like that. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, all this bad stuff starts happening. So Jack grows a beard and finds Evangeline Lilly and yells at her, We have to go back! Oi. So I don't know what made me think of that. There's a little lost moment for you. (laughs) So anyway, any other closing thoughts other than it was filmed in Hawaii? (laughs) 
No. Um, Would you watch it again? I don't. I don't think so. I don't think it's worth it. It's no. not bad. It wasn't bad, but also our 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 opinion is skewed. Why? Because we have Stockholm syndrome with Nicholas Cage movies. No, just because not even Stockholm syndrome. Because the last two movies mm. we watched were just like unwatchable. Yeah, I completely agree with you. <laughs> I have a few closing thoughts. I said not bad, but not great. So that's kind of... Yeah. The brutal fight scenes meant a big budget, uh, which we discussed earlier. Navajo Franco is not just a guy who looks like a Navajo James Franco. He's, like I said, also known as... uh, Or not known as, known for playing Slipknot (laughs) and Suicide Squad. I thought you were going to say also known as Adam Adam Beach. Adam (laughs) Beach, yeah. But he he plays Slipknot and Suicide Squad. He's been in a lot of other movies. Yeah, you said he played Squanto, right? Yeah. So, you know, he's not just a Navajo Franco, which is probably my bad for calling him that this whole podcast. And the last thing I have about a closing thought is that the letters from the girl were really, really weird. He was Tommy and Walker, Texas Ranger. Oh, shit. And he was in uh, SVU. I forgot we talked about that. Oh, he's like a main character in SVU. Right? Yeah, he's uh, Detective Chester Lake. Nice. NYPD. Yes, I never really got into Law & Order. Any of yeah, them. Yeah, I... I watched SVU more than the others. I, mm-hmm. I do remember him. Mm-hmm. I remember his okay. face. Yeah. That Franco smile. <laughs> that Franco smile. <laughs> that patented Franco smile. <laughs> Distant relative. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, those are our closing thoughts. Let's do some Nicolas Cage awards, shall we? Yeah. Who was the best supporting actor? Was it Uncle Navajo? Yeah. I'll give it to Uncle Navajo. He never acted before. Yeah. Solid. He was Very great. Very good. Best dressed was it when he was in his robe with the chest with the hair spilling chest hair. out, or his army uniform? His army uniform, kind of the only standard. Things. Sure, chest, chest hair. hair. Yeah, I agree with you. The worst Nick Cage scene, probably the slow motion <laughs> cheers and then shot of bourbon or whatever it was. Yeah, it's not really his fault, but that was just a weird <laughs> scene. The best Nicolas Cage scene. I have an idea, but I want to hear what you think. I'm thinking of three. Wow, you're between three. What are they? Well, I know that we're going to give one of them to Best Scream and one of them to Best Nuvo Shamanic. Right. What, what were you thinking? I was thinking the rampage where Navajo Franco, Adam Beach, dresses up as a Japanese soldier and takes him hostage. That's a really good scene. It's not very cagey, but there is that scream. That it becomes is really, cagey. Yeah, there are there are moments of cagey, and I think it's just overall a pretty cool scene. Okay. I'm, I'm cool with that. All I, right. Yeah, that was one of the, if I, in a year from now, if I look back and think about that movie, I'll probably remember that scene over others. That makes sense. What was the best Nicolas Cage scream? Was it from that scene as well? Or was it the, I can't perform my duty? I think I can perform my duty. Really? It came out of nowhere. It did. The other one is very cagey like you said like wicker man it's just a scream because he gets hit in the ear but the camera zooms in on his face as he's holding his ear but for the sake of the podcast i think it's going to be more challenging for our listeners to hear that scream Mm -hmm. that's true so you really would like you guys would really have to just take our word on that that it's the best scream because you can't see it but i'd rather a best scream be one that you can hear better okay so it's i can't perform my duty i think so okay great and the most nouveau shamanic moment. I think I know where this is going. Yeah, it's the laughing drunk scene. It's the laughing and burping drunk scene. I, I also didn't mention, but that scene ends with Adam Beach putting 
Nicolas Cage to bed. Mm, yes. And Nicolas Cage grabs his hand and goes, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> because Adam Beach is trying to do like a ritual to, to help him, you know, yeah. like with some ash and, mm-hmm. you know. But <laughs> Nicolas Cage just grabs him and goes, what the fuck? It's fantastic. <laughs> so, rankings. Where are we putting this one? Let's think about the other war movies we've seen because that's probably the best way to compare. Okay. I think it's better than Firebirds. Definitely better than Firebirds. Firebirds is pretty low. Firebirds is currently at 27. That's not even technically a war movie because they don't not, actually, they're not in combat. No, they do in the end. Barely. Against... But it's against the drug cartel, right? Yeah. It's not against... So yeah, stupid. it's not against... It's not like a real war. I forgot how dumb that movie is. <laughs> Oh, let's see. What other war movies are there? Time to Kill. Oh, Time to Kill was brutal. Birdie, he was a soldier and it wasn't really war. I wouldn't call that a war movie. That's a drama. Captain Corelli was terrible. It's not a war movie. That's a drama. I This might be the only truly war movie that we have. Yeah. I'm just kind of skimming it's, through. It's closer to The Rock than it is to Captain Corelli. Yes, because of the amount of explosions and mm-hmm. action scenes, mm-hmm. for sure. So if it's closer to The Rock... Or Con Air. The Rock and Con Air are close. The Rock is currently ranked in our oh, system. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not saying that this should be near that. I'm just oh, saying okay. it's closer in tone. Okay. Where should this be near? I think it's a very middle of the pack. All right, so let's see. Which is the most challenging ones to rank. That is true. So we've done almost 40 movies. Number My 20 God. is Moonstruck. Better or worse than Moonstruck? I personally think better, but I hated Moonstruck and you liked it. No, I like Moonstruck. What's 19? Trapped in Paradise. Mm-mm. Mm-mm, as in it's better or worse? I think it's better than Trapped in Paradise. I agree with you. Valley Girl. I think it's better I than Valley Girl. I think it's better Girl. than Valley Girl. Snake Eyes. No. Okay, so we're putting it between <laughs> Snake Eyes and Valley Girl. And above Snake Eyes is Birdie, and I actually quite like Birdie looking back. Yeah, I, I like Birdie too. Okay, so it's going to go between Snake Eyes and Valley Girl, putting it's, it like at the least popular opinion. <laughs> at number 18. There we go. Okay. I think we, uh, I don't know if we really ranked these well, but we rank them in the moment. We rank them based upon Most the feeling th- that we get yep. after it, and also how cagey it is. Absolutely. Because Deadfall is the worst movie <laughs> but it's our favorite <laughs> same with vampire's kiss oh horrible yeah those are our one and two so next week we are watching the one and only i don't know if it's the one and only but it's a movie called sunny which is nicholas cage's directorial debut oh shit and it's starring and he stars in it he is in it as a he's not the star the star is the actual james franco not the oh, really? james franco yeah <laughs> that's funny yeah so we'll see what his directorial debut is like and, and what kind of directing style he's got Ooh, if it's anything like his brother it's gonna be horrible <laughs> it's gonna be horrible if it's anything like his brother but it's got some pretty low ratings on rotten tomatoes hmm. but similar ratings to what we just watched which we didn't think was that terrible so it wasn't great no it wasn't atrocious yeah all right anything else it. yep no Stay safe. Be nice to each other. Don't be racist. Like this Never. movie kind of was. This, this movie was racist. Don't be like uh, the dude from uh, the, the Truman dude from Show. Truman Show. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
All right. And now you know why the Nick Cage bird sings. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care. Now, freak out.